Plex picking back up with the DGS. Dave will be back on January 2nd and hope he's enjoying the time down this week and, of course, next week as well. Uh, the rest of us are here the rest of this week. Next week will be mixed up, but we're not going to get into all that right now. We are going to get to our buddy Matt Pauly, who's joining us now to talk a little bit about the Blues. I don't know what else we might get into, but uh, hello, Mr. Pauly. Good to talk to you. Hello, Mr. Wheeler. You got a, you got a good, calm night tonight, don't you? Yeah, so uh, SLU basketball, they are in action this evening, so we are going to be uh, done before Sports Open Line even starts. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Get to kick back and watch some basketball tonight. Uh, yep. Let's talk some blues. I mean, we, we, we've we touched on a, a lot of different things related to the blues. For a long time, it was just about the up-and-down nature of the team. I know good for a stretch, bad for a stretch, and then obviously that led to the firing of Craig Berube, and we're kind of past that firestorm uh, and the Blues won their first two games under Coach Bannister. Uh, last night they went out and they did a very 2023 Blues thing and just, uh, well, just laid an egg. <laughs> did not go well in Tampa. But it was also interesting kind of seeing the new coach dealing with some of the things that Craig Berube was dealing with. Yeah, so first off, that's the kind of loss they've had all season long. Their losses have been bad. I yep. think it, when when Doug Armstrong made the decision, it, he talked about just uh, you know there were nights even where they won games where it felt like they lost on the ice. This was a team that was not winning a lot of things even inside of games, and when they do lose games, they tend to lose in very one-sided fashion. So it was right back to that. And then I thought what, the most interesting thing that happened last night was you know Pavel Buchnevich had three penalties go against. Against him, and then he was benched. He he did not. He was taken off the ice. He was completely benched. And uh, after the game, Bannister talked about it and and basically said that he needs more, and that there's going to be accountability, and that uh, you're going to earn your ice time. And and that's not something that they're going to have. So uh, a very vocal, aggressive benching of Pavel Buchnevich last night. Yeah, and the thing that stands out to me mostly is and and, and look as we discussed uh, at five fifteen the other day. Like we have to let the th this whole thing play out for the rest of the year to truly know. But I think the most likely outcome here is we're not going to learn a whole lot about Drew Bannister. W what we're learning is that this roster is not good enough. They're not terrible. They can look really good at times, but they're just not good enough to be consistent in any way. Yeah, I mean, and that's been true all year. So the question is, can Bannister get as much out of the team that Craig Berube was getting? Because Berube had them within a, you know a, you know just a, a stone's throw of a playoff spot and they were in playoff position for most of the year um, now they were out of playoff position when Barubi got fired. Can can Bannister do enough? Can they use smoke and mirrors and zippers and Velcro and everything to to find a way to <laughs> skate themselves into uh, into the playoffs? I don't know, but it, it felt like with Barubi they had at least a a puncher's chance at that happening. Now we're going to learn something about Bannister. I, I don't know how you felt. I, I I was a little bit uncomfortable with what he said in, in the post game. I've always been a big believer, and different coaches do things different ways, and there's not just one way of coaching right. Kevin you've played sports right. for a long time and I'm sure you've had different coaches deal with you in very different ways oh, yeah? and there's a there's a lot of different paths to the same place but one of the things that I really believe in especially athletes at a high level they don't they, they're okay being held accountable but a lot of times that kind of aggressive accountability should be done behind closed doors and then when you're getting in front of a microphone and you're talking to reporters it's all about supporting the players and that sort of thing it can be two different messages the internal message and the public message and I think yesterday it was just one message from Bannister yeah I think a couple things because I'm kind of I'm in between right 
So I think you're correct. I think that generally speaking, um, the the harshest criticisms, especially initially, should be private. They should be done in the practice setting, in a meeting, in in your office. You know, probably not in the locker room. That's just a weird way, weird place for it to happen. But you know, you you, you pull somebody aside, you send those messages. That said, what went wrong was was very much public and visible. It was not a matter of like just simply questioning effort. It was you can't take three penalties like that. Like and and if he's asked that question, he either has to BS his way out of it and deflect, which to me doesn't look good because we all saw what happened. And the other side of it is saying what he did. So I again, I think generally speaking, I'm with you. But when a when a professional hockey player takes three hooking penalties in the same game, everybody saw it. We all knew that those things are not they're not okay. I'm I'm a little bit in between on how that was handled specifically last night, but I would not recommend doing that regularly. Yeah, I don't look. I I tweeted this last night because the quote from him was, uh, "He took three penalties. Bucci's a good player for us, but he's no good to me in the penalty box. He's got to be out on the ice. He's got to be effective that way. I think for him, it's not only a message to him, but it's a message to the whole team. We need guys to play on the ice. They're no good to us in the penalty box. Moving forward, that's the standard. Guys want to play. They have to earn their time. So there's kind of a Tommy Tough Guy aspect yeah, to, yeah. to that. And if if I'm the one standing behind the microphone, I go more of the route of, and I, I don't think this is uh, deflecting. I don't think this is even you know not being truthful. I go more the route of he took three penalties he's no good for us in the box he's a good player for us and tonight was just not his night so we got him off the ice but we're gonna be back with him on Thursday night against the Panthers yeah I'm uh I'm more of the jerk (laughs) okay (laughs) I mean like I I don't need to kiss my professional players behind when he had a bad night but I, I I think that long term though you can't always be this either right I mean there's a there's a balance between being honest and being too blunt in the way that you're being honest. And I would agree with you on that basic principle that you do have to find a way to manage that that sliding scale because now what I want to know is, all right, so let's say uh, say Braden Shen gets three penalties to, in the next game. Is he going to be benched for the rest of the third period? Because now you have to based on that. You said it. You said that's the standard. Well, right. And, and, now, and not every penalty is created equally. Some of them are bad calls. Some of them are necessary. Like, hey, this guy had a breakaway and I had to disrupt it. Right? There, there are different levels of penalties. But based on that statement last night, you know, coach has put himself in a spot where if a similar thing happens to another guy, you got to pull him and you don't have any choice. And I wonder internally what's the reaction in the locker room. Is it a look at this guy walking in here? He's been in the NHL for 15 minutes and he's trying to show. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just I, I can just imagine some eye rolls going on inside of that room. Uh, for sure, for sure. But, I mean, I think that uh, that would be natural. I'd be shocked if it wasn't happening. And, look, you and I, if, if you're in that position, if you're one of those players and that happens, I'm sure that's probably my reaction. Yeah. I'm like you've been here 15 minutes and now you're going to be doing this. I would probably have that reaction, but that doesn't mean that I would be right in thinking that. It doesn't mean that this team doesn't need something more than what was happening before, because what sure, was happening before wasn't working. I, I agree. I agree. I also would put on this. Drew Bannister wants this job, and the I, only way yeah. he gets this job is if they play better long term yeah. from here to the end of the season. Uh, so from a uh, from a survival standpoint, uh, you don't want to lose that room early if that's what's going on. Yeah, here. that's an interesting dynamic too, right? But and, and 
you know, there, there are a bunch of ways to look at it, and I don't know that there's a good one because you're right. It's a dream job for a coach that's never been an NHL coach. You want that full-time gig. Um, I, I don't know if – and look, this is nothing against uh, Bannister because I honestly don't know much about him. I don't – you know, I mean, he, he doesn't have an NHL record. I'm not going to judge him based on what happens really, I think, in the short term because the team has already shown its flaws. Uh, and so any flaws that are existing are really not because of anything he's doing or has done. Um, but at the same time, if I'm the Blues, he's not going to be at the top of my list unless there's something dramatic that changes over the next three months. Right. And he knows that. He's right. not dumb. Which is probably why you're seeing maybe the airing on the side of, well, I'm going to take my shot. Instead of playing it slow, instead of, you know, letting it play out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take my shot while I have that shot. We'll see how it works out for him. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. By the way, yeah. we, we you know on this show, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about all kinds of news items, politics. The best thing about sports is that there's always something that shows us what it is. Like, in the end, you either do the job or you don't the end. Like you, yeah, win, you win enough games or you don't win enough games, and that's it. It's very easy to decide. I think about this all the time with political stuff. You know, yesterday the Trump stuff in Colorado, and it just it reminded me how happy I am that I spend the vast majority of my time talking <laughs> about sports. It's funny because that's what reminds me. I'm like, man, I can do this sports. But <laughs> it, it is one of my favorite things about sports in general is that un, it, it, there there are there are rules that are in place. There are rules that are enforced by third parties that don't have an invest uh, don't have any vested interest in the outcome of the games or the outcomes of the standings and in the end big picture over the course of a season you are what you are you have you have played by the rules there's a winner there's a loser nobody goes back and says well I didn't really lose yeah you did you lost 3 to 2 that's it that was the score that's how it was officiated i love the simplicity of it i know that a lot of the rest of the world cannot be that simple but that's part of why I love sports. But that goes back to the surprise of Craig Berube being fired because, again, he had the 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 absolute ceiling for this team was basically just sneaking into the playoffs, and he had him in that position for the vast majority of the year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, in the in, I'm sure he will be. I'm sure he'll be a head coach again if that's what he wants. And I would bet probably by next year, um, because the NHL, if the NHL likes anything as much as firing coaches is they love bringing people back that have been yeah. fired. Not necessarily yes. to the same team, but a lot of the same guys definitely make their way around the league. Sometimes it does happen with the same team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's a, Although that's usually after a management change, right? That's usually after the other guys get let go. Um, and let's, yeah, but I mean, I can, I can think of a couple situations where, you know, 10 years later, a guy all of a sudden is back where he was previously. Yeah, yeah and it happened in the NBA with Saunders, obviously, right, uh, right. in Minnesota. But it does seem to happen occasionally in the NHL. All right, buddy. Enjoy your evening. Thanks for popping on. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Sounds great. Uh, that's our buddy, Matt Pauly. A reminder, no sports open line tonight. We've got Billikens basketball here on KMOX, and I believe the pregame starts at 545. So uh, should be a 6 o'clock opening tip. Matt Pauly will be back tomorrow, business as usual. In fact, tomorrow will be the countdown to opening day show in that sports open line spot. It's going to be a great one all about what the latest happenings of the Cardinals and all kinds of cool stuff. Carried on.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, back in on DGS here on a Wednesday night. We're going to talk to Brad Young uh, coming up in a couple minutes. Regular here on KMOX, one of our legal analysts, also one of our regular fill-in hosts. Uh, We're going to get his legal opinion on the Colorado Supreme Court ruling regarding the 14th Amendment and Donald Trump and all of that. We'll let Brad Young explain it from the legal perspective. Um... During the break, we were just talking about Twilight. And, of course, I don't know why, but do you guys ever – I mean, I feel like I do this too much. Like, every time I, I look up, I'm like, have you guys seen this thing on TikTok? I feel like all of these little ideas and weird mm-hmm. things I'm getting from TikTok. Which, it's taking over your life. It doesn't, but I only – I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you guys. I probably watch, like, combined all day long 30, 40 minutes of the stuff on there. Like that's I usually spend about a half an hour before I go to sleep. That's just I'm laying in bed watching some TikToks, and it's usually not more than that. And it's maybe ten or fifteen minutes scattered throughout the day. It's not a mm. lot of time, but there are just so many times where I see something and I'm like, "That's awesome!" Mm. And one of them was husbands watching the Twilight movies for the first time with their wives who loved those movies coming up, and it's just like a bunch of husbands laughing their butts off at how dumb some of the effects look or anything like that. I've never seen them, so I have no context to put that by. But it made me laugh. Yeah. Are they good, Andrew? Uh, well, no. Uh, but they're fun to watch. I think they're I think they're worth watching. They're fun to they're fun to watch. What would you compare them to? Hmm. <sighs> like quality-wise. Like cuz it, look, it's a specific genre, right? I mean, it's it's kind of a fantasy world. Um, like would you compare it to I don't know, like the bad Star Wars movies, like better than the worst Star Wars movies. I think you think, yeah, I really hate the bad Star Wars movies. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a missed a missed opportunity tax with that, right? Yes, Is yes, you, there's no missed opportunity tax with the Twilight <laughs> movies. If anything, they're maybe even like a little better than they uh, rightfully uh, yeah. could be. It's like, for example, I thought I I did see the Hunger Games movies. Never mm-hmm. read the books, but I saw it and I liked them. They're Those fine. are very good. Yeah, they're very good. Um, Harry Potter, obviously, were young adult books, and I know adults read them too, but they were mm. initially, I, I loved all those movies. Stellar I never movies. read the books, but I've seen all the movies, and I liked them all. I don't think there was one where I was like, that stunk. Mm. Yeah, pretty stellar um, movies. But they're, none of them are my favorites, though. Mm-hmm. None of them rank on my Mount Rushmore or any of my favorites, but I liked them. Like I came out of each one of them going, all right, that was fun. Uh, but I feel like Twilight is kind of like the low-class version of those. It's like yeah. a teen romance novel, so it's a little bit of a different... I mean, it's there's some action in it for sure, but it's mostly based around this relationship yeah. that this girl is in, yeah, so it's kind of a different... Just a different vibe than like a Hunger Games yeah. or a Harry Potter so, or Hunger something. Hunger Games is very action-oriented, sure. yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. by nature. And, and Harry Potter is also sort of built around a, a, a specific conflict. And a mystery, right? Yeah. You know, there's a mystery involved. Yeah, there. conflict and mystery and, and world building. And Twilight is, is, again, more based around like just kind of romance. Oh, so that's why I'd hate it. Yeah, um, I don't think you would enjoy the movies at all. No, but I, but I was joking about it. Like, I actually really like Robert Pattinson, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I never saw him in, in those, so I don't have that as my backdrop 
for what he is as an actor. I've only seen him in the in other movies. I think he's good. Devin thinks he's dreamy. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, he's a good-looking dude, but, I mean, he's really good. So what did he... I'm trying to think of the best things. I mean, obviously, he's, I thought he did a good job as Batman. Me too. Um, he was in Tenet. I thought he was a really cool character. He's not a huge character in that, but he's relatively mm-hmm. big. He's not the leading man, but he's like second in command in that regard. Uh, what's the other one that I really liked him in? He was, um, dang it. Now I'm going to space out on it and leave everybody hanging on there. Oh, it, it Cosmopolis? No, the, um... he, play, he played a, a French prince. In a in a in a medieval style movie, and I'm forgetting which one it was. Uh, but he was a real he played the role of a real jerk. Was was it the one with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, where they were supposed to be oh, French guys too? Know. The Last Duel. Yeah, what it, was I it that know. one? He might have been the guy in that one. Was it the King, the one with Tim- Timothy oh, Chalamet was, that you were talking about Chalamet. earlier? Yes, and that's my that, I like that Timothy Chalamet movie too. Uh, mm. Except that the the fight scenes are a little hard to buy because he weighs like 104 pounds. But yeah. But otherwise, though, very good. He's a, I think he's a good actor. But yes, that was the one he played. Uh, he played uh, the Dauphin, mm. the French prince. The fresh prince. as opposed to the fresh prince because <laughs> he wasn't from Bel Air. <laughs> Why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> we left you hanging too. We were oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I was no, like, it, uh-huh. it, no, no, no. It deserved to be left hanging. It was worth that. Do, I heard that. <laughs> I do that. I mean, I, I I don't mind being stupid and embarrassing, um, but you know, you always have there. There are those moments where you, you say something, and as you're saying, you're like, "Ah, this is a pretty good idea." And as soon as you finish saying, you're like, "Ah, it's not a good idea." Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> gonna love this one. It's, this is a good room for figuring that out because in general, people are just like, "Yep, you said that." Yeah, you know, this is not a generous room. <laughs> I love a lot of things about being on this show. That is one of them at the very top that I love the most is that we're honest with each is other. So straight up honest. <laughs> like yep. if somebody says something dumb, the whole room just goes quiet. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, mm. We're going to let you stew in that for just a second. <laughs> <laughs> you, you broke it. You buy it. <laughs> it's funny to say that about uh, about like gathering content and stuff from TikTok because I'm the same way wheels. There are times where I I get on and I'm like, I'm seeing so much great content, but every time you go on specifically to try to find content, that's when you just get crap. That's when you get nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Just absolute nonsense for like an hour. Yeah. And and it's important to like anything else. Like I'm a big, when it doesn't matter what it is and it doesn't matter where I get it. I'm a big double checker. Like I like to see something and like, okay, can I go double check and make sure that the person that's saying this thing actually knows what they're talking about? Mm-hmm. And then who is this person? Can I go and look at, oh, that person's written four books on this mm-hmm. subject and they're very well respected in this field. And if you do that, it can be a great source. But if you don't do that and you're just going to believe because that person sounds really convincing on my phone, not going to be great for you. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Yes, and uh, obviously we've not spent a lot of time on this story. The big story everywhere at the top of the, at the top of the news has been the story about the Colorado Supreme Court ruling that Donald Trump cannot be on the Republican primary ballot because 
uh, of the 14th Amendment, essentially the third part of the 14th Amendment. And since I don't know anything about the law, and Dave does, but he's not here, I figure we got to get somebody that can give us a legal opinion on this. And then we turn to Brad Young, who is one of our legal analysts here on KMOX. You'll hear him as a regular host, sometimes in the evening, sometimes during the daytime, hung out with us the other day. Brad, thanks for jumping back on. We appreciate you, man. Wheels, my pleasure. All right, so lay it out. Um, for you know, obviously, you've got the legal understanding of this and what it means. So just, just, just paint the picture. I mean, we know what is being reported now. I want to get from you, kind of what it means. Well, first of all, let's talk about the legality of it. Uh, the the Colorado Supreme Court based this on Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment, and this goes all the way back to immediately following the Civil War, and there was some concern that uh, basically a military general of the South uh, who who was fighting for the South to to tear apart the Union could then be elected and, and represent Alabama or Georgia in the United States Senate. That's the, the purpose for this clause in the 14th Amendment, the section of the 14th Amendment. Now, it hasn't been used a whole lot for obvious reasons. Right. But, but what the court said was is that under that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, that no person can hold any state or federal office if they have previously been a member of Congress or an officer of the United States or a state official and then engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States. So the court ruled that Trump uh, had engaged in insurrection because of the whole January 6th thing. So this is guaranteed going to the Supreme Court, right. no question about it, and there will be multiple issues for the Supreme Court to decide once it gets up there. All right, so clear this up for me because I was kicking around, kicking this around with friends earlier, and I'm not sure I fully understand this. How do they rule on that without there having been any kind of conviction on that type of charge? Can they just decide that, or is that basically what the Supreme Court's going to look at and say, yeah, no, you can't do that? Well, as a general rule, and that's a great Great point of question, Kevin, because as a general rule, appellate courts can never be finders of fact. They are rulers of law. And and sometimes I'm not trying to make too deep of a dive here, but the but an appellate court can't determine what the facts are. They have to deal right, with the right. facts determined by the lower court. So here, what I think the Colorado Supreme Court is resting on is that the trial judge in the original trial case that took place earlier this year in Colorado, the trial judge found, as a matter of fact, that Trump engaged in insurrection, and but then decided that even though the insurrection was found in the lower court in the trial judge's uh, opinion, that she did not have the power or the authority to remove a federal candidate from a state ballot. So what this what the Colorado Supreme Court did was they just adopted part of the finding that Trump had engaged in insurrection and then reached a different legal conclusion. Brad, this might seem like a, a silly question, but do we know why this was taken up in Colorado in the first place? Um, that's a great question. Right now, there, I believe I've read that there's 22 states that are dealing with this type of a legal action about removing Trump from the uh, from the ballot. So I think Colorado was just the first to, to really go to trial. Mm. I don't think that Colorado was specifically targeted any more than any of the other 22. I mean, no one's going to file this in Texas. Uh, no one's going to file this in West Virginia. Right. All right. So it was filed in Colorado, like in the other states, because of a general 
feeling that the judges would be more liberal. Uh, but I, I don't know exactly why the Colorado case went to trial more quickly than some of the others. Because, for example, it's already been decided in Minnesota, uh, and I believe um, there's another state, too, as well that slips my mind, that, uh, that, that this is invalid. In other words, the attempt to remove Trump from the ballot cannot be done for right. various legal reasons. So th- this is your classic case where different states are reaching different conclusions, and it's going to have to be resolved by the Supreme Court. Okay, so... <clears throat> I, if the Supreme Court r- rules that this that that Colorado's Supreme Court was correct, that his ruling is correct, if they back that up, does that mean that the rest of the country has to follow? I mean, obviously, the Constitution ranks over any state constitution. Um, it's why you you know if this is deemed unconstitutional, it won't stand up. But if they side with that, does that carry any meaning beyond the borders of Colorado? Well, part of that would be how the how the court writes the decision. Okay, because courts and particularly the Supreme Court and even more particularly, Kevin, this Supreme Court has a history of narrowly tailoring decisions so that they can only apply to the case in front of them and not have a greater precedential value. Yeah. Now, in this case, I don't see how you would do that. In other words, I think if you regardless of how you rule, uh, it's going to have implications one way or the other to how other states are going to deal with this particular issue. So this, I think it has to be precedent. It has to be applicable to all states. And also, frankly, from a from a policy perspective, regardless of whether one thinks that the Supreme Court should uphold this or overturn it, I really, truly hope that, that the Supreme Court can get a nine to zero opinion on this because Otherwise, it just is going to further uh, fractionalize our country and and create divisiveness even more so than what we already have. Yeah, it's a really good point. And, and, you know, there's so many things that need to play out kind of all at the same time, which adds to the confusion. Um, now, I may ask you this, and th- this one kind of borders, Brad, uh, between legal and political, this, this last question I have for you, because I saw after this story broke yesterday, I saw the Colorado Republican Party tweet out, Essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially, this doesn't mean anything. We will just remove the party from the primary process and go to a caucus and we'll choose our candidate that way. I don't know if that's a valid thing. I don't know if that's just a, I don't know, in the moment reaction where you're not sure that you actually can do that. How does that strike you? Well, first of all, it strikes me as overly complex and probably unnecessary. And let me tell you why. Uh, buried on page nine of this lengthy 200-page opinion, on page nine from the from the Colorado Supreme Court, it, it discusses this idea that that there's going to be a permanent stay of this order once Trump files an appeal with the Supreme Court. Right, and it specifically allows not just even not just a stay of the order, but it specifically states as soon as he files an appeal, <clears throat> the Secretary of State of Colorado can proceed with printing the ballots with Trump's name on it. Correct. So functionally, I really don't think this is going to have any direct impact unless the Supreme Court rules that the the Colorado decision is correct, at which point it doesn't matter what kind of process the Colorado Republican Party does. He's off the ballot. Right. Because what I saw reported yesterday, Brad, was that he is he would not be allowed to be on the Republican primary ballot it did not, at least to my knowledge, say that he could not be on the ballot next November. But 
if the Supreme Court rules that way, it would mean that. Am I reading that correctly? Yes. Okay. No, you're reading that exactly correctly. Okay. And so that's why I, I've seen a lot of analysts saying, oh, the Supreme Court's going to have to reach a decision on this before January 4. Wrong. I mean, they can they can take until June if they want to. Uh, I think the only press for time is they have to render a decision before the November election, because uh, if he's if he's ineligible to run for office, that would apply to either a state primary or a state general election. It would apply to both equally. Brad, we appreciate the clarification. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. When are you in next? Do you know? Uh, I'm not really sure. I'm in uh, next Wednesday morning, All right. uh, as always, and then I'll be in uh, a week from today, uh, Wednesday evening from 8 to 10 at, at your service. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you here again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kevin. All right. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like the wording of this, Andrew, but you watched a waitress do the most impressive thing ever. Yeah. I wasn't sure that how was to your word it. I wanted, to, I wanted to be a little uh, mysterious. Okay, uh, well, you, you achieved that. Well, so we 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 took uh, uh, me and and my parents and my my brother and his fiance. We went out to dinner at the Pier Marquette Lodge, and the waitress uh, there. We all started fighting about who should pay the bill. Right, the classic thing. And she at first she was kind of humoring us while we kind of went back and forth and argued a bit, and then she just like slammed her hands down on the table. She's like, all right, we're settling this. And she's like, I have to do this all the time. So she started breaking down by, and I thought it was so smart. She started breaking down by like, what's the occasion? Uh, who was paid last? What's the precedent that's been set in the past? Are like, who's the one that typically pays? She like really broke all this down to try and help us like arbitrate. Uh, all right. And I thought it was so interesting because it's like, she said, cause we were like, wow, that was cool. And she's like, I do this 10 times a day. Did it work? Like, did it decide end up solving the problem? Uh, well, I didn't end up having to pay. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was found innocent <laughs> in, in food court. Yeah. You were found innocent in food court. In food court. Not in the food court. But no, in, in, food, in court. food court. In the institution of food court. Isn't it? In, that, that whole dynamic of like paying is always, always interesting to me. Like whenever we go out with friends, like talking to my wife and I, it, we it's already like understood at the beginning. We're just all getting separate checks. It's just super easy to do it that way. Um, but like I have it like it's tougher with my family. Like my dad mm -hmm. always wants to pay, and sometimes we want to because it's our turn. You know, like you paid all our lives. You know, we're gonna do this, or mm -hmm. my brother's gonna do this, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you you try to get sneaky about it. Like, I've gone and found the, the server, and I'd be like, listen, don't bring the check to the table. Just give it to me. That's what you have to do. I know. It's just it makes weird. you feel weird. Yes. Why are we weird about this, though? Like, why? <laughs> I don't know. Like, there have been times, though, where I've, like, to the server been like, don't, like, I'll be out to eat with my mom, and I want to pay, and I'm like, don't listen to her. Listen to me. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I'm probably making you so uncomfortable. Well, that's, well, that's how it started. It started because my dad was like, D -d 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 shut up. No, I'm going to pay for it. And then my my brother was like don't listen to, don't listen to a word he says he's lying and i was like okay you also need to tone it down yeah I, it, and what? andrew's like oh no don't let me pay that is word rachel that is word for word what i said i go i go like right as they were solving it i was like oh no i was gonna no. Andrew's in the middle like don't bring me into this